Welcome to Go and Make from the Archdiocese of St. Louis, equipping you to live the great commission of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples of all nations. Brian Miller here on the Archdiocese of St. Louis Go and Make podcast on the special bonus edition that we're doing for the Seek podcast. As uh, anyone in St. Louis knows, hopefully by now, the Seek conference is going to be here January 1st through 5th, 2024. We had it last year. We had, I think it was about 17,000 people for most of the week, and then we grew to 20,000 plus for Adoration Night here at the Seek conference down at the Dome. Uh, this year, I know from talking to our friends over at Focus that enrollment is already up. P- signups are up uh, a significant amount. We have even more local people who are coming to the conference. And really, what a tremendous gift for us to have this right here in our backyard. If you didn't get down there at all last year, you really need to go. It's going to be an incredible time. Uh, the best Catholic speakers, but really also just the best Catholic people. And you have phenomenal conversations and all the exhibit booths are filled with just amazing apostolates and religious orders and people just doing amazing and creative things in the church. And uh, I'm really excited for our conversation today. We're going to be joined by Joe Dobrinsky, who works with the Seton Teaching Fellows as the Director of Engagement. Uh, used to work here at the Archdiocese together on mission here. Used to be a focused missionary as well together on mission there. So he'll be down at, at the booth uh, meeting people and greeting people there. But I thought today, Joe, welcome to the show. Yeah, Brian, thanks for having me. I'd like to say, you know, we um, you often mention at least one time on the Go and Make podcast, your great alma mater of Benedictine yes, College. also on mission from Benedict. Happy to say that, you know, you know, some ways it's like I'm... I'm Brian 2.0, and in some ways where I was at Benedict and I did well, focus. Well, new and improved, Yeah, Brian. new and improved, yeah, that's right. true. Yeah, because so. you're right. We both went to Benedict and we both went to be focused missionaries. We both got involved in youth ministry at parishes and right. then went to work at the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Yes, so it's... Now, but you've you've left. You've I, gone off to Seton, and and that's not something I've done. So you're on your own. I can't help you. Can't here. There's no more. Is, there's, there's no, no more under the wing or the mentorship. The no, thing. you're yeah. you're you're 2.0. You're new and improved. This is much <laughs> much better. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I, I have not only fond memories, I have a lot of gratitude to um, all the people that got me to where I am today, especially through uh, attending Seek and. Um, you know, for over 10 years now uh, in a variety of forms in so many cities. Um, but it's been so exciting these last two years to have Seek in my backyard to um, hop in the car, to drive down. And I want to encourage, you know, all of our local St. Louis Catholics that it really is so easy to attend Seek here. There's a parking garage on 7th Street. Leave me a spot, but it's, it's easy. So... Come for as much as you can. Obviously, I know that there um, is a lot going on with it with life, but you do not want to miss the yeah, opportunity. Yeah, it's a can't miss. To, to there's join. no, there's really no good excuse. Right. So, so it, it it'll be. Maybe you can't beat the whole thing, but you can beat something. Exactly. So um, happy to be here, just talking about my experience through that. To um, if anything, in my own story, our conversation today is a reason why maybe um, you were thinking of attending Seek or you yourself had an, a profound experience through encountering Christ at uh, Seek, then, um, you know, that's everything within that we can be grateful for uh, to yeah. God. Absolutely. So we're going to start with the same question we start pretty much every episode of our Go and Make podcast with, which is, first of all, just tell me a little bit about your own faith story. How did you come to be uh, the Joe Dobrinsky that we all know and love who's so on fire <laughs> for Jesus? 
Yeah, I think um, looking back over my life and especially growing up, I think you would label me as the good guy. Like I did all the right things. I um, was my teachers were all fond of me. I did fine in, in sports and good friends. But it was very much just that, just the good guy. I was doing just enough to to be what was good. And, and there wasn't anything really wrong with that, but there wasn't a fire of, of life deep, in, deep within me. And, and that really, I think, changed as um, I went to Mass every, every Sunday with my family, very blessed to have parents who supported um, me in the faith and were present in our practice. Um, and so that, that allowed me to see that, okay, church, ministry, these are all places that I can belong. I just hadn't found a place to belong within them yet. And so um, through uh, an invitation to a youth minister at my parish, I, I went to youth group, um, found people I could just be myself around, and through a few high school-based you know, conferences and retreats, uh, for the first time saw that there was something more to being the good guy, that there was um, the call to be a saint for myself. Fast forward a few years through high school, did, did everything you could, youth ministry under the sun, and, and thought there's something here beyond um, where everyone else in my school is headed to college. And so that's why I chose to go to, to Benedict, and I wanted to be somewhere that challenged me in my faith, that launched me in my faith to, to build community myself. And from that, saw the need of the world, the need of other young people to hear what I had heard. And so I had great mentors along the way from, uh, like I said, like two phases of mentorship in college. I had a college mentor uh, and missionary who uh, was like the pusher, like built, built that zeal in me for the faith. And then that second phase is I was an upperclassman, especially that senior year, a, a mentor who was the launching point for me. We, I mean, we would sit on his porch and dream about um, this window of time in our lives to be sent on mission and to say yes to that completely. And so that was the call for me to be a missionary and to be alive. Uh, yeah, I think, faith. I mean, we talk about, you know, we joke about Benedict in every episode and, and you know, I always tell my wife it was the best four years of my life. And she'd be like, but we've been married for more than four years, right. you know, and sorry, no, but, um, and I talk about it so fondly all the time, just because of that, what you just said is what was special about Benedictine is that it just, it taught me how to be a man and it was guys taking me under their wing. I, I grew up, my parents divorced when I was young. I didn't have a super strong father figure until I got involved in youth ministry and some core members who invested deeply in me and, and were that really. And, but it was really a Benedictine that it like went to a whole nother level even. And it was very intentional guys who were uh, focused student leaders and focused missionaries who just took me under their wing and really like walk with me day in, day out. What does it mean to live a life of virtue? Right. What does it mean to be uh, a person of magnanimity, to be challenged to greatness? Cause you know, like sometimes I I've been accused in my life occasionally of like, like, you know, it's all personality and it's big fun, but can you really do the work, right? Yeah. And I remember Greg Doring, I love Greg Doring, and he's like, you can't, you're not going to get by that way in life, not in ministry, but not in professional career or anything. Like, like, you can't just let your personality always win. You have to be willing to do the work, and the work is 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 really where virtue comes into play, that, you know, you're in that firm habit of, of doing it. That's right. And I think, yeah, you really mentioned, and whether that's at your undergrad school choice where there's so many great, 
Newman centers and college ministry centers out there that are doing that. But I think it also applies for those you know post grad opportunities that um, people have, as well as then late, later on as, as you have fostered a, a long longer term career. No matter what phase of life you're in, I, it, what we're getting at, I think, is that there are these um, particular moments in uh, within our lives that the mentorship of someone uh, of guiding us, but also the intentionality of that moment, that span of time that uh, we have to say yes to receiving and yes to then giving that back out for somebody else. Uh, I know that every element of the way that these two mentors, Sam and Dave poured into me, that that was replicated in my own way, you know, so you and I are different. We, we went to, we have a same trajectory, right. very similar trajectory, but we're very different people. But the, the grace of mentorship and the graces Christ wanted to give us through that worked with who we are so that I can be a positive model for somebody else in my own way. And, and they can be their own saint as well. Yeah. I think that's really an important thing. And so you talk about like evangelization and, we're trying to help people meet Jesus Christ. And sometimes we think the only way to meet Jesus is the way that I met him. And then the only way to live that relationship is the way that I've had it lived powerfully in my own life. And, um, you know, I heard it said once, I don't know who said it, maybe I made it up. I don't know. But like that saints are for inspiration, not imitation, mm. not direct imitation anyway, but it sounds better when it's two I words. So we have to say inspiration, not imitation that, that like, I am not called to be, St. Therese, you know, I am called to be uh, Brian Miller living the little way as best I can, like St. Therese did, and take whatever in her spirituality that resonates with me, uh, the parts of my life that were have to die to my preference or die to myself or offer something up for the greater good. But I'm going to be a terrible St. Therese. If I try to be exactly like her in everything, it's just, we are, we are different people, you know, right. I was not made for the cloister. Uh, so I think, I mean, in many ways, you know, I, like the charisms, the spiritualities in the church are like different languages. The language, you know, mentioning St. Therese, that language is the love of God, but we have to speak it in our own way because there's only, um, it's only us, you know, like we can't do that imitation. There's, and there are people that will only maybe hear uh, who Christ is through us. And so why be a lame copy of someone else when we have the opportunity to be genuine in our own thankfulness and own witness to the work that God can do in someone's life. Yeah, I have a, a Focus alumni coffee cup. Uh, I have a lot of Focus gear at this point from them having been here the last two years and random little gifts dropped great off the diocese yeah. and swag and Focus alumni loves us and takes care of us, right? It's great. But the, the coffee mug, it has a quote from St. John Henry Newman on it. And the gist of it is, I guess I'll have to paraphrase it because I'm not drinking out of that mug today. But it says, you know, I have my mission, and it's a mission the Lord has given me and he has not given to another. And only if I live my mission will other people come to know the gospel fully. Like they, the Lord needs you to be you. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's a, that's a quote uh, I've taken to heart for um, the last few summers with our, our Totus Jewish missionaries here in St. Louis, um, that mentality that, that this is my, I have my mission and I, and I must live it out. And this call to, to give everything to that mission. And he's entrusted it to me and he's not given it to another. Correct. And I think that's really the part mm -hmm. that's just like, ugh. So then if I don't do it because no one else has it, 
then something goes unfulfilled that right. is God's will and God's plan. And I, uh, I can screw up God's plans. I've, I've been pretty good at that sometimes <laughs> in my life. Yeah. And we all have our moments and things like that. So, so what you were a missionary with focus after Benedict and where did you, where do you serve? Yes. Yeah, so I was able to serve uh, a year in the great state of Texas at Texas state, uh, university, um, Eat em up cats, I think, is the lingo for the school. And then a year at the University of Missouri in Kansas City. Uh, kangaroos, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, went from a bobcat to a kangaroo. Uh, we were able to serve in the local KC uh, community there. Um, so, two years with Focus, and then since then, been involved in a variety of ways through the uh, alumni support that I've received, and then um, carrying out Focus Bible studies um, with fellow husbands, fellow peers, and um, getting to as many Sikhs over the last couple of years as possible. So you could say that they really, you know, focus their goal they talk about is to launch people into lifelong Catholic mission. And your experience as a student at Benedictine doing that, as a missionary, you have been launched into lifelong Catholic mission. So tell me a little bit right now just about what is, like, you're with Seton Educational Partners. Tell us what they do and what the mission that you're trying to live there is. Yeah, so I'm with uh, Seton Education Partners that expands opportunities for parents in underserved communities to choose an academically excellent, character-rich, and for those who seek it, vibrantly Catholic education. So we're inviting um, families, inviting um, those in college and out of college to consider joining us in this mission uh, to bring about uh, academics to an excellent standard, the holistic vision of a person, their character, their physical well-being, their emotional well-being, and their intellectual formation. But we don't stop there. We want to help form uh, young saints and young families. And so as you talk about this this lifelong mission, that's really our, our goal as well, is that uh, we want to imitate Christ the teacher and be present in our young people's lives, but their families as well. Yeah, and again, like there's no cookie-cutter way to live mission. And, you know, education... We talk about pre-evangelization in, in a kind of our paradigm of evangelization. It's like, it's go meet people where they are, meet their fundamental human needs, earn their trust because you're meeting their needs, because you love them the way that Jesus would love them. And then you actually earn the right to say what needs to be said about Jesus down the road. And you form the relationship where you can you can say those kinds of things. So it's like that same incarnational evangelization, the, the very rich message of the gospel to go and just be in, be with people as Jesus was right. with us, and and by your lived witness and that deeper invitation for those who are looking for it and, and respond to it, then then you can bring them into life in Christ. Right. Yeah. We we have this. You know, we we love and evangelize, and and, and love is swept up into evangelization. You can't evangelize if you don't love. But again, loving the the dignity of the person right in front of you because they possess it. They are created in God's image. And so to, to love them well and in such a way that we are caring for each each aspect of their life um, so that like through that love, that love is visible and um, present because of the love that Christ gave for us. And, and so we can, we can imitate him in that way to love those in, in every community and in a special way through um, this new mission of mine to love in our underserved communities. Nice, very nice. All right, so this is the you know the Seek podcast. So I want to talk a little bit about Seek uh, and like experiences at Seek. So I, I remember uh, very vividly. Maybe I've shared this story before. You know, you can skip ahead. I was going to say thirty seconds, but knowing me, it'll be more than that, right? Like if, five minutes. Yeah, come on, just keep hitting that button. 
But like it was it was my freshman year of college, uh, January 2003, and it was in Kansas City, the Focus, the Focus Conference. The Focus National Conference is yep. what it was called. It was yep. not called Seek quite yet. And I was in a point where I had gone to Benedictine to study theology and youth ministry. I was I was all in, and I was like all in at school. Came home, and my uh, college friends, my old high school friends, were maybe not living the same life. Right? They hadn't looked for the same opportunities I had looked for. And there was a, kind of this 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 pull, like just this tension, of like who are you going to be? Are you going to be? And they, yeah, they're great. They're great people, and I love them to death still. But it wasn't who I was called to be at that moment, and just the, the way that those. Uh, different values had sometimes manifested themselves, right? And uh, so it was just this moment where over break, I had maybe fallen into some bad habits that I wasn't even doing at college. Most people go away to college to make bad choices. I came back home to do it, you know? <laughs> and it was, you know, nothing like earth shattering or major, but I just knew I wasn't living up to it. And the conference was good. I actually, um, one of my claim to fames is at that Sikh conference over Christmas break, I had cut my hair into a mullet. So it was a, a Joe Dirt style mullet not a, not one of these like nice mullets like kids kids have today's have sure, a pretty sure. pretty fancy like euro mullet or sure. or fashion mullet or things like that. No, this Yours was this was, not was this was right. joe dirt mullet and came back and uh, eventually we like skunk striped it down the middle put a blonde stripe down the middle of the mullet and it was a great i know and you know um, no one can can see our conversation today you're just listening but if you saw me, there would be zero signs of surprise or shock in my face <laughs> that, right. that this happened. Yeah, so it was really great. But I remember I, I was at that conference, and years later, people were like, you were the kid with the mullet? Because it like, <laughs> came up in conversation with some missionaries who had been on sure. staff for a while, and the mullet was... Uh, I, I, like, I would like to think, you know, there were like 700 people at that conference. I would like to think I was the first person with a mullet at a focus conference. If, if the first conference was like, you know, in the woods of Kansas, right, the summit that sure. started it all with, with actually one of our former colleagues That's for right. you, my current colleague, Jacqueline. Um, coldest night. The coldest Kansas night ever where Focus cold. was really born. Like she sure. was there and she yeah. works here and it's a beautiful story of, of of how we've been impacted by this movement in so many ways. But I'd like to think I was the first one who had it. And I, I saw last year there were a million kids with mullets. Anyway, the mullet is not really the center of the story, but it is a nice little, <laughs> a nice little highlight that you can't unsee once no, you've seen no. it and your eyes are scarred for life. But uh, so I'm there, and, and, and I, I don't think about the mullet when I think about this very often because it was such an impactful moment. I forget how ridiculous I looked while it was happening, but it was Jeff Cavins was giving the Saturday night keynote, and it was, it was, he was talking about Jesus uh, calling to Peter, right, to get out of the boat and to come to him on, on the water. And it was just very much like this, this leap of faith that it's going to be uncomfortable and it's not, you're not going to, to know exactly what happens next as you take that leap of faith. And it was like Jesus just calling directly to me to get out of the boat. Jeff Cavins, he probably said it like 30 times in that talk. I feel like he said it 30 times in that talk. Get out of the boat. You got to get out of the boat, you know. And um, I remember I was kneeling like in the last row during adoration afterwards. And it was just like Jesus like in the monsters just calling directly to me like get out of the boat. Like just you have to continue to trust every day. You have to take that leap of faith and take that step to continue to trust in my plan, trust in my goodness, and to be who I am calling you to be. And it was just really, I don't know, it was, it was one of those moments, you know, in, in the Gospel of John, he's remembering the moment of the day where he called them. It was 4, four o'clock, o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. you know. And for me, it's like most of us don't just have one 4 o'clock moment. You have your first one maybe, or sure. if you're a lot of people are cradle Catholics and they have this show like, well, you just call me a little deeper every time. Well, every time he called you a little deeper, that's that's, that's one, of your, moment, one right. of your moments. So for me, it's one of those like just pivotal moments of – like, like the Lord 
pursuing me, mm. you know, and just, and just, and feeling that openness just to say yes, because the other talks, the relationships, they'd all kind of paved the way for that moment of vulnerability for me to say yes. And, and you had to, you had to be there, right? You have this mullet memory, but if <laughs> that, that's the, um, that that's what still resides within you. You remember like, yes, I was totally myself. I was, I was totally, <laughs> totally, totally myself and, in my natural state. With and, the and yet like it, it didn't stop there. Like it's a great, hilarious story, but you got out of the boat and now you have all these other moments thereafter from it. And, and so that's why when I think back to um, like the different focus conferences and then seeks that, that became, it really were building me to who I am today. And I needed to be at those uh, conferences to receive what, what Jesus wanted to give me. You know, I, th I think about um, kind of the last conference I went to in college, I already knew I was going to be a focused missionary. And so it was this weird uh, feeling of, wait, Lord, I'm not like, I know you're not done with me yet, but you certainly like, I have this conviction and this commitment to serving you in this very unique way as a missionary. And I just remember um, the Father John Lager, our, our former Focus National Chaplain, just really kind of um, being so gentle and kind with me, but telling me essentially to get out of my own way. <laughs> you know, and I think sometimes when we attend conferences or at a retreat, we want those pivotal moments that we're talking about, but we think we have to generate them or that we, we think that I'm going to go to this conference, I'm going to have that big moment, and then that'll be, you know... You're like waiting for you're trying to make right, it like happen, when, okay, force let the me, moment. Let me have, yeah. like, and it wasn't like... It's always going to be Saturday night. Right, no, you know, right, and, yeah. and, and for that conference, it wasn't. It was, I was helping out with, um, you know, the, the focus recruitment booth, I believe, and being able to time and time again, every every you know, the next person that came up to ask what it meant to be a missionary, like to have to explain that, reinforce that conviction on, on the, that that was what God was calling me to. So I think that there's all sorts of ways that we can have these moments, but we also need to remember that we're not the ones um, saving ourselves and we're not the ones, we're not the principal agent of evangelization. We need the grace to be there and we need the grace to be open and like, let God enter your heart and see where then he's, he's asking you to, to go. And what I'm always like amazed by too, is like, if you think back in your life to some of these big pivotal moments, like they're just the fruit of a simple yes. Mm -hmm. You know, at some point there was a leap of faith to say yes, to go to youth group and it, and it changed your life because it's just, again, one step deeper, one step deeper, that realization. Someone said, do you want to go to this conference? And you know, the simple yes, just to be there. And those moments of generosity, I think, on our part, where we're just like openly and generously responding to the Lord and what He wants for us or ha could have in store for us, like, I just can't, I could not have imagined, even in getting out of the boat and saying yes in that moment at the conference itself, 
I couldn't have imagined what my life would look like now yeah, and same. how <laughs> incredibly good God has been to me, right. giving me more than I deserve. And this is not like a gospel of prosperity where we're sitting here saying like, because I said yes, God has given me uh, you know, a, a beautiful wife and a beautiful family and a great house. And just, like, It's not even that. It's just that like the Lord continues to overwhelm me with how good he is, even in the hard moments. There's a, a great line in a prayer from St. Oscar Romero that says that we are prophets of a future, not our own. And I just think that, um, like to your point, like people ask me right after I got married, or are you know having the amount of children I have, or, or things like that. Like, did you ever imagine that like this would be your be your life? And I can confidently say, like, no, absolutely not, because like what I would have imagined, like. Would, would be lame compared to the way that I get I get to love today in this vocation that I have. Yeah, it's like the the line in Napoleon Dynamite where he's like, "Vote for me, and all your wildest dreams will <laughs> come true." Actually, this exceeds all my wildest right. dreams. Right. Uh, I can't. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't fathom how good God is and how much peace I have in my life because I just trust that He has a plan, even when, even when it's hard. Right, and it's hard and it's, and it's difficult. There are those tiring moments of you know. Sick kids, or you know, I can speak from experience of kids not sleeping even last night. Um, but I think that, like, we also think about like getting to a conference. Like, it's it's hard sometimes to get there to to be on that bus or that plane ride to be bottled up in a hotel room with six of your classmates to make you know make the budget work. Uh, <laughs> but again, like, this is in a, another way of stripping us from what what we think it needs to be or what we want it like we can have these desires but god just just wants us there to say yes and be ready for that next step that that baby step that that leads to these great adventures with him all right so as we wrap up our conversation here do you have and i didn't like prep you for this question so there's no like you know you're not you're not ready for what i'm about to hit you with here no but like do you have any favorite moments from conferences? How many conferences do you think you've been to for Focus over the years? Um, I'm, well, I'm definitely in double digits here, you know, which is wild. Yeah, I, I figure since undergrad college through, I mean, yeah, I mean, I only missed a, a few, I guess, maybe 10 years or so ago, so... Probably double digits. There, there's been many, conference many moments. Conference junkies, right? Yeah, so yeah. do you have a favorite moment from one of those conferences? It could be fun. It could be, you know, deep. It could be whatever. Yeah, I think there's two in uh, maybe three, you know, three short ones. I think the first is more comical. We um, went to Focus Conference, or, or at that time it was one of the regional conferences and, and summits that uh, were around in Baltimore, and at that time, we were serving in Texas, and so we brought a group of students from Texas and had a meeting and prepped them for what weather in <laughs> you can January in Baltimore. in Baltimore would be. It's not 85 to, degrees and sunny. Right. And so um, it was just a like picture out of the movie Cool Runnings, right? These Jamaican bobsledders get to, <laughs> I think it was Vancouver maybe, who, who knows, uh, with, with that movie where the doors open, the cold cold wind hits them and they want nothing to do with getting outside. And I had this just vivid moment where the same thing happened where we're walking through the doors, leaving the airport to hop on uh, the Metro in Baltimore. And my wife and I are like, Oh, finally, like another season besides summer, fresh air. Well, Texas has winter for like a week. Yeah. Like 75 in February is a winter, right? Um, 
But I'm like, where'd all the students go? Where'd they go? And I turn around and they are standing at that door. And so it was a moment for them, I mean, uh, to leave Texas, to go somewhere else, to go somewhere else in the winter was uh, just a hilarious moment for us and encouragement for them. I think another one that I often think about and happens has happened the last several conferences is the opportunity to bring uh, my sons to to seek and for them to see. And it's not that you don't like your daughters; you just don't have any. You have how many right. sons? Uh, six sons. Yeah, right. So uh, I am, yeah, I guess, a vocations director. That's right. Dream, you know, right. uh, promising out boys to different uh, orders in, in the seminary here. So, no, no, uh, I think for them, we we talk about the faith at home. We we pray together. We we make it a priority. But for them to be somewhere where they can see it on a on a universal stage to see. Uh, brothers and sister, you know, religious to see bishops and see their seminarian, like they see seminarians and they know them from different um, opportunities here, but to see them living and practicing their faith is huge. So it's always a fond memory for me. I would say the, the, the other memory that really sticks out uh, for me is um, these last few conferences, or this last one uh, being in St. Louis, to be in the dome, like to be in a familiar place, but it be a place for myself to have this renewal and to be around so many other people who are having that encounter for the first time. There's something so beautiful of after adoration, there's the excitement and just noise. But then you like look, you can look around and see in people's faces that that quiet peace that like maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time that they they had that encounter with with the true presence of Christ. I love love that moment to just take that breath with people and say like yeah, like he's real and it's it's beautiful. Yeah, just like just the warmth of the room. Like and, you know, not temperature wise, but right. just like the people are overflowing with joy. They can't they can't help it. I don't know about you. I, you know, I was a Rams fan before they abandoned us here in St. Louis, but I never got to the dome when they were good. Sure. I only got to go to games when they, they were terrible. bad. And yeah. and you know, the the papal visit in 1999 was huge for me, but I didn't go to the mass of the dome. I went to the youth rally uh, yeah. at what now is the Enterprise Center. So the dome for me was just always a place of sadness. <laughs> like yeah. The Rams were so bad uh, for so long, and those were the only games I got to go to. So uh, for the dome to be redeemed, a place of joy, you know, a yeah. place of joy and redemption, yeah. uh, really a beautiful thing. Um, you know, of, of course, my favorite moment was you know the, the my freshman year that conversion, kind of deeper conversion, if you will. And then I think my my other funny moment was last year at Seek. Um, and well, before that, I will agree, bringing my kids down and having them experience something like that was really powerful. Mm -hmm. And, and seek last year in St. Louis, gosh, worlds colliding, you know, it was like, it was all my focus friends and, and a lot of old Benedictine friends were there and all people I know and love from the archdiocese were there and, you know, getting to work, um, in the work that we do, like kind of on a national level, people from different apostolates. So it's just like this amazing reunion and just grace upon grace of people you get to see and talk to and catch up with. I mean, it was just like, I was on a cloud just the whole week on a cloud. And this is happening in my city. Beautiful. But the, uh, the college football playoffs have been going on at that point, uh, while we were there, I think. Yep. And uh, Ohio State missed like just a brutal kick, like to win the game, push the field goal mm. wide to the right. Okay, uh, that's an important contact. So there's you know a group out in the the hallway taking a group picture, 
uh, of their whole group, you know, and like, Hey, will you take this picture for us? I said, yeah, sure. So, um, I go to line up the frame and it's the Ohio state focus group. Right. And I go to line it up to take the picture on their iPhone. I said, Oh my gosh, you guys are, you guys are actually just out of frame. You're a little bit wide to the right. <laughs> and I took the picture and threw the phone back and ran away before they came in Hound and mobbed down. me. Yeah. And they were like too soon, too <laughs> soon. But it was a, it was a great burn. I know uh, our old focus friend, John, John Leindecker would not be very happy with me with harassing the Ohio state fans, you know, but no, he would not. Yeah. It was a, it was a fun moment and uh, really all of seek is a fun moment. It's a powerful moment. So again, if you're, you know, in the archdiocese of St. Louis, especially, we'd love for you to come on out. If you're not, come on, come visit, come hang out, come see our beautiful cathedral basilica in St. Louis while you're in town. It's the best in the country, you know, no offense to the other great churches, but it is an unbelievable thing. So uh, if you want more info on seek, you can go to seek.focus.org. Uh, and if you're in the Archdiocese, if you go to archstl.org slash seek, you can learn more about all the ways that the Archdiocese is involved. So, Joe, thanks for coming in. Appreciate Thanks it. for hanging out. And uh, see you at seek. See you at seek. Go and make disciples. Disciples.